Welcome to Web and Beyond Live for September 9th, 2021. I'm Ray Sidney Smith. I'm president of W3 Consulting and managing director of W3C Web Services, which provides affordable web and WordPress hosting, domain name registration, Microsoft 365 licenses even, and other web-related services for small business. And so Web and Beyond Live is a weekly show that I do for topical and timely issues related to small business digital marketing. And I just enjoy talking about all the things that I'm tracking from week to week that I think are important for you to be able to be successful on the web and beyond today. And so if you're joining me here live, welcome everybody. Uh, we're doing this a little bit later in the week than we normally do because of the US Labor Day holiday. And so if you're watching the replay, uh, feel free to leave questions in the comments or you can message me on Twitter or elsewhere. And I'm happy to answer questions as we make our way along in the conversation. Today we have a whole bunch of fun, interesting stories mixed together, uh, quite a bit of uh, I think Microsoft heavy topic, but that's okay. And uh, but we'll we'll get through this um, just fine. So let me bring up my screen here, and let's start get started with kind of following up on a story we covered uh, back in June. Uh, in June, the country of El Salvador, actually the the president of El Salvador, Bukele, uh, announced that he was going to be uh, transitioning to lead tender, um, basically transitioning the legal tender to coin for the country. And you can see here, we um, talked about it then on June, I guess, 14th or so, uh, we talked about it. It was actually on June 9th that the country's, you know, parliament or whatever, basically uh, made that vote and turned Bitcoin as a legal tender. It does also include the US dollar. So it's also the US dollar. Either way, here we are. They said three months later, they were going to transition. And three months later, that happened. And so uh, as of September 8th, El Salvador became the world's first country to adopt Bitcoin. And uh, they have this interesting trust fund, basically, whereby the difference between the valuation of Bitcoin when banks go ahead and convert Bitcoin to US dollars and back and forth basically the that uh, that difference in valuation, the currency exchange, is absorbed by this trust. It's currently $100 million, and it'll be very interesting. But if any of you are doing business with the uh, with either consumers in El Salvador or otherwise, you're going to start seeing people requesting the option to be able to pay in Bitcoin. Uh, so just beware. I think this is an interesting first and something that we should pay attention to as we make our way forward in the world of cryptocurrency. We're going to see more and more countries start to dabble in this way with cryptocurrencies. I think El Salvador made a very big push here uh, with just taking over the entire country's uh, currency with Bitcoin here. Uh, again, like I said, it's with the US dollar, so there's some some you know level of stability there. But Bitcoin obviously is highly volatile, and uh, and so transacting in Bitcoin I think is going to be very difficult. They did have, the, as they called it, a bumpy first day, but you were able to go to store and purchase utilizing Bitcoin. So they're showing that it can work. And of course, this is political in nature because the El Salvadoran president, uh, the Salvadoran president, you know, Bukele is doing this so that he can, um, you know, bolster, uh, you know, um, excitement and publicity for the country, as well as getting some votes from the younger crowd. But I think it's very interesting for us as small businesses, because we are going to see more of this happening, and we need to be prepared. So I'm just kind of, you know, this, this news gives us an opportunity to remember that if you have a payment processor payment gateway that does and is thinking about doing this, uh, you know, I would certainly think about what that means for your business and how you can take advantage of it. Certainly with PayPal, we know that PayPal already allows for the exchange of, of 
cryptocurrency, uh, Bitcoin specifically. So I can see a lot more opportunity there with regard to businesses taking that. But again, remember, there's that exchange when you are going back and forth between Bitcoin and the US currency, you're going to see a lot of volatility. So beware that your pricing needs to be able to be uh, flexible and dynamic in the face of those changes. So I would choose probably a more stable coin uh, that does not necessarily transact as um, highly volatile as the uh, as Bitcoin. But uh, interesting, and uh, we'll see what happens as we make our way forward. All right, on to some kind of news of the of the web. Uh, as you know, we're a WordPress host, so we host a lot of WordPress websites. And uh, the company that m- you know kind of manages the WordPress.org website uh, web project, the CMS project, uh, they also own a whole bunch of other companies. They've been recently on a buying spree, and they have continued that buying spree recently uh, with two more particular purchases. First up is Frontity. Uh, So I think this is really interesting for us to think about when when it comes to businesses that are running either on WordPress or, or are thinking about launching a website. And if you don't have a website, you should absolutely have a website as a business and uh, feel free to reach out if you have any questions. Uh, But the idea here is that um, Frontity is unique in the world. What they do is they use WordPress's backend engine for many of the pieces of the of the good parts of WordPress, but in essence, they create what's called a headless website. So they they give you the capability of attaching to all of the WordPress parts, but then you get to utilize the front end however you want to. So you get more flexibility with regard to how you present the website wherever you might want to do that. And that ends up being one of the great struggles of many businesses. They want to build a website They know that WordPress is great, but they want to do something just a little bit different than what WordPress is presenting. And Frontity gives that capability. Well, now Automatic owns Frontity, and uh, and I'm curious to see how the WordPress company goes about bringing Frontity into the the world of WordPress. So we'll see what happens. I think headless uh, CMSs or headless websites are going to become uh, website platforms are going to become more and more uh, popular over time. I don't necessarily know if this will change the way in which the average WordPress user utilizes WordPress. But for those businesses that have a core need, this really opens up the floodgates for WordPress utilizing the REST API and so on and so forth. So very exciting to see uh, this uh, come down the pike. All right, next up is uh, Jetpack. Many of you know Jetpack because it's the plugin that you have installed inside of your WordPress installation for all kinds of other uh, tools and services, certainly to connect to the WordPress.com site and and anything you might be using there. Uh, Well, Jetpack, of course, owned by Automatic, uh, Jetpack itself has now acquired the plugin Social Image Generator. And if you don't know what that is, Uh, Unfortunately, it's no longer available for you to purchase, but I'm presuming it's coming soon to a Jetpack near you in the sense that what it does is it allows you to quickly and easily create social images. So you write a blog post, you put in a blog featured image, and it does the work of applying your logo and maybe a quotation or the title of your blog post. It goes ahead and imposes that, you know, impresses that onto the image and automatically creates the right sizes for you to be able to share on social media. Very, very powerful plugin. And it's very interesting to see Jetpack make that acquisition. But the idea here, I guess, is to uh, now bring that feature to Jetpack. And and I'm presuming that'll come to Jetpack Premium, not to the free version, but just uh, so you're aware that that has happened. Next up is just a little bit uh, of news about uh, 
I'm unsure how they pronounce this. It's Prive or Priv, Priv, not sure. Uh, but they have raised uh, $1.7 million to build a more configurable e-commerce subscription platform as the uh, TechCrunch uh, article title you know, notes. Uh, this is really interesting. So this is a, a startup. They are building out this new um, you know, platform really to compete with Shopify. And the idea here is that they want to be able to do what I was talking about before with regard to kind of like a headless CMS, right? They're giving you a more configurable platform for subscriptions. So if you're thinking about that, certainly check out Priv, Prive, Prive, not sure, uh, and see whether or not that's something that you might want to consider um, in your own uh, kind of world. Um, this really for me for small businesses always reminds me of the fact that you know the things we're testing out at w3 consulting is you know what would we charge for say a premium newsletter and what would we provide in that premium newsletter what would we provide in a um a, a digital course platform or those kinds of things that would be useful and for us it's mostly testing and education you know we want to be able to make sure that we're educating our our audience about these issues related to digital marketing uh, but it's also from a perspective of understanding whether or not these tools are going to be useful for our business clients and so very interesting to see more and more platforms come out and uh, i think the competition is good i mean right now substack uh, patreon memberful those are the ones that really um, you know control review included, which is owned by Twitter. Those are the ones that really, you know, are currently the, the trendsetters here, but we can also roll your own, right? And you can make your own built into your own WordPress website. You can do them through different platforms. So it's very interesting to see that these new companies are coming online and they see that there is a broader extended market here to be able to, to come into. Uh, this is great news. Uh, Gmail now has brought call capabilities back to Gmail, right? It was removed when Hangouts was deprecated and Google Chat came online. Now Google has brought calling uh, back to the application. So now you can make phone calls within it. You're going to see this roll out to others over time. But the idea here is that you will now have uh, the Gmail app allowing you to make phone calls. Uh, you'll also note that in Google Workspace, you will see now the movement of Google Rooms are now becoming Google Spaces. And so this is just part and parcel of Google making these various interface changes to bring together uh, Google Workspace, but really uh, Gmail, Calendar, and otherwise a, um, a, a suite for communications within an organization, really making it easy for people to be able to do that. And so if you're in the Google workspace for business environment, you're gonna see these changes coming. And I think that's gonna be really positive. I know that it's a lot of change very quickly for, for others, uh, but for me, I think this is really gonna be positive for, for everyone who's in the Google ecosystem and really wants to just keep their tools to a minimum and be able to do all of their communication in one centralized space. All right, this is just a quick note that the Android 12 Beta 5 has uh, come out and uh, it has been releasing on devices, for those who are in the beta program. Uh, in essence, Android 12 is the 12th version of the Android operating system. And that means we are gonna see more and more uh, movement toward the uh, very quick release of that near probably the end of this year uh, or, or the uh, latter part of this year. Uh, uh, in short speed. And so what we're going to see then is uh, more devices coming out with Android 12, uh, presuming that the 
uh, Pixel 6 and Pixel 6 Pro that are coming out very soon. Google's going to be announcing those, uh, you know, any day now, most likely. Uh, those will hopefully come out with Android 12 on them. And so very excited to see all the various options. One of the, the great things that's coming on to Android 12 is this new device search. Now, this is something that's been available in a lot of other uh, uh, app launchers. But in the new Pixel uh, launcher app on Android 12, you're going to be able to search the entire device, meaning local files, local images, uh, other things that are just inside and embedded within the operating system that you otherwise weren't able to surface without actually going into a specific application and searching for those things. So I think that's going to be really good for productivity in that sense. Uh, but just be mindful of the fact that we do have this latest version of Android coming out. And that means across the board, you should really be looking to make sure you update your devices if, if it's possible to, to get them to the latest versions. Again, this is just about security and making sure you have the best security possible for your business. Uh, this was really interesting. I came across this, this article in the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. I live in Pittsburgh, and so uh, it, was, it was talking about how AI wasn't really classified um, well, the Pittsburgh wasn't really classified as an early adopter in this particular Brookings Institution's uh, report. But more important to me than that was this chart that they put up. And this chart was about the metro areas that are really doing a lot of work in the, in the world of AI and commercializing AI. And as you've heard me talk about before, I really think that artificial intelligence, which is really just the idea of a machine that is capable of doing uh, things like inference and connecting patterns and being able to do things that humans generally are, are considered capable of doing that uh, computers generally are not considered capable of doing. They're doing more of that through that world. And that comes down to you know training machine learning algorithms to all kinds of other things. And uh, so in this, they've provided this interesting map of the United States and it shows you based on the colors, you can see the purple um, down to all of these um, particular other areas of um, metro clusters that are focused on AI. And uh, this shows like um, the purple here, the dark purple is San Francisco Bay Area. Uh, the lighter purple or lavender is early adopters. Then they have federal research, which shows this uh, orange color, um, yellowish color. Then you have orange for potential adoption centers. And then the grays are others. And what you find is, is that, again, along uh, the coast, you have a fairly, you know, northeast corridor. You have quite a bit of, uh, you know, of, of dots and colors there. Uh, certainly on the east coast in California, uh, you have a lot there. But remarkably, you have some really interesting pockets in the northwest, uh, throughout the, the eastern regions, pretty much east of the Mississippi of, uh, in, in Texas. You can see in the Houston and Dallas areas, there's some uh, work going on there. Uh, it looks like uh, uh, North Carolina and, you know, right outside of uh, Virginia in, in uh, the D.C. area and, and down throughout Virginia, you've got some concentration there. But you can see the Midwest is also, you know, not Midwest, I suppose, but those those, you know, um, you know, Indiana, Illinois, uh, you know, and, and uh, Ohio along with Pennsylvania, you see some concentration up there, even going up to Michigan a little bit. Uh, so there are some smatterings of AI happening throughout the United States. And even in the in the Southwest, you see one or two, you know, dots per state, uh, kind of uh, picking up in the AI research space. So I just thought it was interesting for us to consider the fact that artificial intelligence is becoming more and more prevalent around uh, the country. We need to be mindful of that as small business owners that 
artificial intelligence is not necessarily going to replace jobs tomorrow. Uh, they're not even going to probably replace jobs in 10 years. Uh, but what they will do is help facilitate greater productivity for the employees that we do have. And certainly for ourselves, if we want to be more productive and be able to get more marketing done, uh, having artificial intelligence software that is capable of doing that for us is really powerful. So I know that it sometimes sounds scary as a bit of a black box. How is the AI doing those things? But I think it's all, all in all, for digital marketing purposes, a more positive than negative when it comes to this technology. So we should be looking at AI chatbots. Uh, how can we use artificial intelligence in our themes for our websites so that it can actually do search engine optimization as well as um, A-B testing, basically looking at how users are interacting with the site and then on the fly, dynamically changing the, the website around so that the best things are shown to users to get them to do and persuade, persuade them really to do what we want them to do when they come to our websites. So I see a lot of opportunity here in those digital marketing spaces that are really outside of the self-driving car space or, or those other kinds of AI world. But having a live chat agent that is AI can be really, really beneficial to the business in increasing sales and just answering normal questions that people have in natural language approaches. So we have a lot of opportunity here in the AI space. And I just thought this article did a really great job of highlighting that with this particular image. OK, moving right along, uh, I wanted to talk about Canva's new integration inside of Buffer. And as you know, I'm a big fan of Hootsuite, uh, being one of the Hootsuite global brand ambassadors. But I actually love many other social media uh, dashboards and scheduling software that are out there, uh, including Later and Lately and Buffer and otherwise. Well, Buffer has recently uh, announced an integration with Canva. Canva is, of course, another tool that I love. And uh, so Canva, uh, especially Canva Pro, allows you to be able to do so many cool things. But now, inside of Buffer, you actually get an option to be able to generate images for your social media sharing within the Buffer interface. So this is really cool. You just basically log into Canva like you normally do. Uh, and then as long as you're logged into Canva, when you're inside the Buffer environment, uh, when you go to click on any particular image uh, to add an image to a post, whether that's Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, or otherwise, you're now given an option a little in the dropdown to be able to go ahead and choose uh, Canva. When you choose Canva, it will open up Canva right there inside of the buffer interface. This is on the desktop web environment. Uh, that I'm talking about. And you'll just see the pop-up. And you'll be able to design a Canva image or video, because uh, you know Canva allows you to be able to produce um, images, PDFs, uh, you know, MP4s for video, GIFs or GIFs uh, from the interface. So you can do all of those right there in the interface. And then once you select that, you'll then go ahead and pull it right into the buffer post. So very, very powerful stuff there. And I'm really excited to see that. And Hootsuite, if you're listening, uh, you need to do the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so, OK, uh, moving on to some Microsoft news. So today, um, Microsoft, uh, not today, but Monday, Microsoft announced the new Microsoft Start. And so if you if you know what Google Discover is, and we talked about this when we talked about uh, web stories and the um, importance and power of where web stories are displayed, that one of those places is Google Discover. And Google Discover are all of those kind of um, uh, places where you would go to search for something or where you are just uh, lightly touching Google 
in the mobile space. Uh, so there are a lot of different places where Google Discover appears. Microsoft is basically doing the same thing. So if you go to Bing um, to do a search, Microsoft Start is going to be that place where it displays stories and other kinds of articles in that kind of area in those different environments. When you open up Microsoft Edge, which is Microsoft's uh, browser that is built on top of the Chromium engine, you're going to see Microsoft Start now. Of course, this is a, an advertising space, and we as business owners need to remember that. So Microsoft Start, just like Google Discover, which is an advertising space, gives us an opportunity to push ads into this new environment. So if you want to get in front of folks, certainly look out for Microsoft Start, see whether it's a, 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 a space, a platform, billboard basically space that you would want to display ads to your potential customers, potential new audience members. So know that this is coming online and uh, very interesting to see Microsoft kind of uh, following Google in their way of having Google Discover and showing this in those different places in the mobile application, in the mobile spaces where you might see Bing appear. Okay, continuing on with Microsoft. Microsoft has uh, recently announced that they have acquired the uh, company ClipChamp. ClipChamp is a video editing tool. And this brought me to uh, thoughts about the fact that we have quite a number of Microsoft-focused video editing tools that people may not know about. Uh, of course, now you have ClipChamp, and you can check them out. They are just basically a lightweight video editor. It seems like a nice tool for being able to utilize various you know, components of uh, creating videos quickly and easily. And so good for them. They have a whole bunch of really great little features built into the application. And I'm presuming Microsoft will start to bundle those pieces into parts of their own ecosystem. But at its core, if you have Microsoft 365 at one of the business plans, right? So you have to be on one of the business plans, you likely have access to something called Microsoft Stream. And Microsoft Stream allows you to basically host video uh, in your uh, you know, environment. And by doing so, you can then embed that video in various places, whether that be in your website, you can uh, embed those inside of mobile applications and otherwise. And so it's a very interesting, you know, um, capability. And so just know that you have it if you do have a Microsoft 365 business license. And if you're looking for one, um, at least in the W3C web services space, that's in our um, business premium packages or, or higher. So business premium, business enterprise packages, this Microsoft Stream product is available to you. You can also go to Microsoft and purchase it directly and get that plan uh, pricing specifically for Microsoft Stream. So good to know that you do have a streaming package built into your Microsoft 365 accounts. And then finally, Microsoft has done for quite a bit of time uh, this other software called Flipgrid. And while I don't know much about it, it looks like a mobile focused uh, discussion, video discussion platform. And uh, they have had it for quite a while and it's for teachers. And so uh, if you have any teachers or educators in your life and uh, are interested in uh, enlightening them, um, this is great, especially for uh, being able to do uh, you know, ASL or other kinds of visual um, styles learning. Um, this is a it looks like a great tool for being able to do that. And so um, Flipgrid is out there and owned by Microsoft. I can tell from, if you scroll to the bottom there, you can see that it's a Microsoft product and uh, Microsoft does own it. Uh, so very interesting to see Microsoft really uh, doing both acquisition and building out its video products in the back end for folks. So good to see all of those pieces coming out of Microsoft. Uh, 
on a little bit of a gripe around Microsoft, Microsoft has been, <laughs> at least on Windows 10 and later, been doing this weird thing where, you know, various places you click on a link and it launches a uh, an instance of Microsoft Edge. Of course, I'm a Google Chrome user and uh, happily going to stay in Google Chrome. And they, of course, are trying to bring popularity or at least um, you know uh, notability to the Microsoft Edge browser. Um, what this little application does, and there's a link in the video description for you or wherever we're, we place the notes, uh, but a link to this application, it's just a little free application called Edge Deflector. And so when it launches, Edge, when it tries to force <laughs> Edge to open, it just basically blocks it and sends you to the correct browser. So I really like this application, and it's just a little free installation. And so uh, yeah, if you are having the same problem I have, which is you click on something and Edge is opening when really you want Chrome, uh, or whatever your default browser is, uh, Edge Deflector is a good tool for that. OK, I wanted to close out our discussion today uh, talking about Google Star ratings. So um, I came across this article on Search Engine Journal, and it covers all of the various star ratings that can be had on Google. And so I'm just going to cover them um, briefly so that we have an understanding. There are stars that appear in the Search Engine results pages. There are stars that show up within the uh, the the local pack. So when we think about uh, local um, uh, search, there are uh, there are stars that show up in paid ads. So that when you have products coming up in paid ads, they can appear there for the rating for the products themselves. You can have rating ratings within recipes. So when people have recipes for particular items and they show up in the search, you'll see those there as well. And you will also see the idea of stars showing up from third-party sites, and those third-party sites can also show up uh, from uh, within Google's various places where they show star ratings, whether that be Google Maps and otherwise, and pulling those into the uh, Google local pack or Google local listings for those particular sites. You'll see them in the app stores, right? Apps themselves are um, star rated. And so you will see those Google stars there for ratings of the apps. And they'll show both in Google search engine results pages or the, the SERPs, or you will see them when you go to Google Play to see them within those app stores as well. Uh, so the, the, the point in bringing this up all together is that there are a number of things and places where we can what we can do to get more stars, uh, you know, basically being seen related to our business. But the fact that there are so many different ways in which we can be rated via Google is important as well. So let's start from the very beginning. One is understanding that schema uh, or uh, markup is important to the way in which Google surfaces stars just generally. So um, I'll, I'll link to this article, and it does a really good job of explaining to you how to do that for, say, organic search, so that when someone does a search and they see your listing, if you do have a star rating associated with that particular page or that particular business, you're going to see a star rating appear below the rich snippet results. That's really powerful because it's giving, especially if it's a high rating, it's giving a, a an average result of those ratings, both for the Google reviews that have been listed that are star rated, but also any third-party review sites that are blended into that. That can be somewhat automated by Google, but you should obviously talk with those third-party review, review sites and make sure that you have 
you know, a relationship with the the third party review sites, whether that's an account or otherwise, and making sure that you're controlling what content is being brought in there. So say, for example, you've got all star five star reviews on Google from Google My Business, and you have one star reviews from Yelp. Well, that's going to drag down your average uh, across those two platforms because Google naturally looks at Yelp's reviews and pulls them in and then averages those star ratings. So be mindful of the fact that you can do really well on Google reviews and do really poorly on another. And those will, of course, then be collected together and used uh, you know, for those ratings. So. Um, so we need that schema markup, that markup in the back end of your website to be able to make those stars appear in your Google's uh, in Google's search engine results pages. And so there are instructions on how this is done. This is really a conversation for you and your website developer if uh, if you're not technically savvy to be able to do this kind of stuff. And uh, some websites do it for you, are capable of installing plugins like WordPress. You can install plugins that do this. And so you don't need a developer necessarily to do that kind of thing. Uh, in the paid ads spaces, you're really talking about Google Merchant Center and being able to put your Google Merchant Center product feed uh, together, right? So you take your product feed from your e-commerce site, you put that into the Google Merchant Center. When you run paid ads, those star ratings will naturally pull from those product feeds. So as long as you're doing those pieces within the, the Merchant Center, you're going to be fine with regard to seller ratings as well as product, product ratings. And, uh, and then uh, recipes, I'm not so savvy on the recipes side. Uh, and so I'm, I'm not really gonna speak to that, but I will speak to the, the local search pack. And so the, the local pack, which is really the, the small set of items that show up when you do a Google review for a local business, those are places where um, star ratings will appear. Now, again, this is mostly about making sure that you are prompting uh, customers to leave reviews. That is sending emails after the fact, uh, even having you know a QR code at your retail counter that where people can scan and immediately go ahead and uh, leave a review while they're standing there. You know, you, you give them their, your your coffee for the morning. They can immediately scan the code and leave a review. Those kinds of things prompt uh, you know faster acquisition of those uh, ratings and usually better ratings, right? If they're standing right in front of you, they're likelier to give you a five-star rating than when they walk out the, the store and grumble a little bit. So make sure that you are paying attention to those. Uh, of course, as I said before, there's also the third-party review site perspective. So if you're a business that is, say, service business or a SaaS business or those kinds of things, you're going to see across a wide variety of other websites like Trustpilot, G2, Captera, otherwise, that are um, culling together those star ratings and pulling them in. And Google automatically pulls those star ratings into their system for being able to aggregate within the Google stars uh, that are presented on the either the local pack or on your organic search results uh, page results uh, that that they're displaying, uh, so just be be just be mindful of it. I mean, it's not something that you can necessarily control altogether, uh, except to go to those third-party review sites and talk to them uh, if, for some reason, you do have a discrepancy with them, and um, figure out what you need to do there. I really like the idea of collecting and having an engine on your own website where you are collecting reviews directly that you can then present. You know, I'm not going to trust as much Facebook's review engine as I am the one that's sitting on my own website that's then going to be pulled into Google. So 
if you are capable of doing that, putting one of those kinds of, of review tools on your own website that is set up for Google to be able to, to source from, I think can be very, very powerful. So uh, yeah, I just wanted to bring that to, to everyone's attention because I think it's something that we don't quite understand is that there are a lot of parts to Google search. Uh, you know, Google search is not just Google search, it is also all of these other areas, Google Photos, for example, uh, is a part of the Google um, engine. You have many different pieces of the Google ecosystem, and we want to get our various ratings kind of under control because when they are sourced together and shown in particular ways, they're going to benefit our business. And so hopefully that just you know gives a little bit more uh, enlightening to that topic. Um, and so with that, we have reached the end of our time together this week. If you've enjoyed the live stream, feel free to click the thumbs up icon. That helps us make new small business friends. And so thank you for doing that. If you have a question, feel free to leave a comment on the video, or you can tweet or message me at W3Consulting. That's W, the number three, consulting on Twitter and you, most of the other socials. And you can uh, join us usually every Monday morning. I know we came uh, on Thursday today just because of the holiday, but I'm usually uh, live Monday mornings at 11 a.m. Eastern. And then thanks so much for spending this Web and Beyond live with me. I'm Ray Sidney Smith on behalf of W3 Consulting and W3C Web Services. Have a great week ahead marketing your small business on the Web and Beyond.